we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. time one more time I know it's been a minute since I've been up here how y'all doing Ascent yes that's what I'm talking about all right um, if I haven't met you yet my name is Aisha and I've had the privilege of being on the preaching team here for the past few years y'all gotta catch my breath I'm excited I'm extremely excited to be back postpartum but y'all I have preached with my son in my womb and now he's in the room so I'm just extra excited today I'm gonna try not to look at him whenever Maurice brings him in here so I can stay focused. Um, and I also wanna shout out Maurice for just helping me with the morning today so I can be present and just give my full self to this time. Now, who in here went to the block party last week? Yes, yes, okay. So y'all, I had so much fun. Um, there was also this like little water game, but there's a lot of little kids in line and I'm very competitive when I play. So I was like, ooh, should I do it, should I do it? I didn't do it because I didn't want to embarrass myself, and I knew I was speaking soon, so I didn't do that. But um, one of the things that they say when you're pregnant or you hear a lot is that you're eating for two, so you got to level up that food, right? And then the doctor would tell you, like, actually, you really don't need to do that until, like, the third trimester. But what I will tell you is after that baby comes, the appetite is different. And you see my husband, Maurice, he is still adjusting to this new level of appetite that I have as a mother. So on Tuesday this week, we're gonna celebrate eight years of marriage. It's our anniversary. Thank you. Trying to get up to Bill and Jackie's level. They're the inspiration. And um, you know, since my husband, um, we eight years in this, but he still needs a little help when it comes to securing my food. So. Maurice was working the game truck, and I'm like, this is perfect. You can actually get in line before everybody else and have me a cheeseburger ready. And then I decided to get spiritual with it and say, you are positioned for such a time as this. <laughs> Your girl didn't eat. All I had was coffee. I got here late. I missed the donuts. I'm hungry. I'm actually borderline hangry. So I'm going to need you to have that cheeseburger ready for me after church. So y'all, you know what happened after church? My burger was nowhere in sight, but the in and out line was. So I'm gonna need y'all to pray for Maurice. He eventually got it together, but uh, he still needs a little work. <laughs> and the past two weeks, we have been in this series called All the Fills, and we've been talking about the feelings that we navigate on a day-to-day -day basis, acknowledging those feelings, while at the same time speaking truth and hope into them. In the past few weeks, our lead pastor, Bill, has been um, unpacking some of those that I know a lot of us wrestle with. The feeling of being exhausted, the feeling of loneliness. And today, I want to cover a particular feeling that many of us face, but rarely do we voice it. And if I'm honest, it's a feeling that I wrestle with from time to time too. And today, I want to discuss the feeling of inadequacy. So would you pray with me? 
God, we just thank you that we get to come here and worship and fellowship and grow in your word. And God, I just pray that you would help us to release every distraction, everything that we are just carrying in our mind right now. Help us to lay it aside so that we can lean in and receive what you have for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make this message personal and specific to every person under the sound of my voice. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So inadequacy is a feeling that's vulnerable to voice, not only to ourselves, but to others, those that are in our, in our circle, our community, those that we walk with, but also to voice to God. And studies show that the feelings of inadequacy can also impact our mental health, increasing numbers of depression and anxiety and low self-worth, um, which could lead to us feeling the very way that Bill talked about last week, loneliness. And if we can be real, sometimes the loneliness that we wrestle with is due to ourselves isolating ourselves and closing the door on relationship and community. And I just want to pause for a second and normalize inadequacy and say that you're not weird or odd for feeling that way. And actually there's a lot of language and commercials and ads and things that we just take in from culture and media um, that fuel this feeling of inadequacy. And if I were to take a poll in this room and ask, by a show of hands, how many of you wrestle with inadequacy? Now y'all looking right now, because you're like, she really about to do that? I love y'all, I can't do it. I see one brave hand. I see you, girl, I see you, I see you. But a lot of us don't want to raise our hand. And what I would do is like, okay, text one to this number, if that's you. And I know what the results would show. It would show that a lot of us in this room have wrestled with inadequacy or currently wrestle with inadequacy. But it's not just us in this room. It may be someone we know, like a spouse, like a friend, like a coworker, like our kid, that face this feeling. But today we get to look in the life of one of my favorite people, Moses, because he wrestled with inadequacy. So much so that he almost missed out on what God was inviting him into. And the passage that we're gonna be in today is Exodus 3. And it says this, one day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the Mount of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses replied, do not come any closer. I wanna pause right there because there's already a lot of happening and I have to unpack it real quick. So I'm sure that Moses thought today was gonna be an ordinary day with the flock, but he ended up having an extraordinary encounter. And y'all, it just really doesn't make sense for a bush to be on fire, but not be burned up, because if something is on fire, it's being burned up. But this was just so amazing to him that it drew him close. He had to go investigate. He had to go get 
a closer look because this was something that he couldn't dismiss. It wasn't normal for this to be happening. And the burning bush is actually an example of a theophany, which is a visible appearance or manifestation of God, which we see a lot in the Old Testament. And in that passage, it also mentions that um, an angel of the Lord appeared. And in Hebrew, the word angel is translated as messenger. So a messenger of the Lord appeared. And again, in scripture, we see a lot of times that this messenger speaks with authority and ends up revealing themselves as God. And this is what happened for Moses. God was revealing himself through nature. Now, burning bush that talks, Aisha, you ain't been up here in a minute, and this is what you're going to come with today? I know, I know. Stay with me. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in trying to understand God or trying to understand how could a burning bush be on fire but not be burned that we miss the fact that God can and God will use whatever he wants to get our attention. That God will use the unexpected to speak to us. God is complex. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And if you think about it, have you had a burning bush moment this week? Were you watching your favorite show on Netflix and then God started to speak to you through that scene, through that moment? Did your child randomly just encourage you either with words or just, you know, that look that they give you like, you're the best person on the planet? Did you seemingly get a random text filled with encouraging words that although that person has no idea what you're dealing with right now, their words were right on time. I think that is what burning bush moments look like for us today. And God uses these encounters to reveal his character and make himself known. And up until this point in scripture, we don't know what Moses' relationship with God looked like. But what I do know is that in Hebrew culture, when someone's name is repeated, that is an expression of intimacy, of closeness. And this is what God did. He said, Moses, Moses. And we also see a pattern that when this happens in scripture, God is about to call someone up. Elevation is about to follow. So let's keep reading at verse five. The Lord said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, Jebusites, woo, all them ites, y'all, now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? 
Y'all, in that text, it says that the ground is holy, and it's not because there's nothing special about that specific lamb, but that's where Moses encountered God. Wherever God's presence is, that makes it holy. So he takes off his sandals in a form of reverence. And y'all, I really pay attention whenever God repeats himself. It is just something that always like just jumps out to me. And as I've been praying and even just in the back this morning, I feel like this just keeps getting put on my heart. God says twice in verse seven and verse nine that he's seen the oppression of his people and he's heard their cries. And I kept thinking about God, who would be in the room today? I don't know, but you know. And I feel like he just wants me to echo to you that God sees you and God hears you. And I'm gonna tell you one more time in case you don't think I'm talking to you, because I am. God sees you and God hears you. So God tells Moses that he has this plan to deliver and rescue the people of Israel. And Moses is like, hold up, wait a minute, me? Who, who am I? He's just so puzzled that God would choose him. And in the same way that I had to unpack some things in that passage before I can get to verse 11, that question, who am I, which is where we are gonna camp out today, I believe that's true for a lot of us. There's a lot of things on the surface that we have to address before we can get to the root of our inadequacy. So the question that Moses asked was, who am I? But the underlying narrative is I'm not enough. And that's literally the definition of, um, of inadequacy, not being enough, defective, imperfect, incompetent, inept. And in what ways does inadequacy come up for you? What is the narrative that you tell yourself? You're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not a good parent, something's wrong with you, at your core, you don't measure up, you never have, you never will. People don't like me. I don't have the gifts that I need to do X, Y, and Z. I wasted so many of my years trying to figure out, God, what the heck am I supposed to be doing with my life? When God made me, he should have made me with a little more of this. This is something I used to tell myself. When God made me, he should have made me an extrovert because this would just be easy. What is the thing that you tell yourself? And you see Moses asks God this question and it reveals a lot about his inadequacy. But I have a few questions for y'all this morning. The first one is, do you have moments of inadequacy? Are you in a season where you are just wrestling inadequacy at every turn? Or are you battling a narrative of inadequacy that started in your childhood? There's a couple points that I want to pull out from this text and share with you all. And the first one is this. Holding on to our past mistakes fuels inadequacy. Holding on to past mistakes fuels inadequacy. 
Now, if you don't know, I'm in seminary right now, so a lot of times when I write stuff, it kind of starts to feel like a paper, and I just drag it on out because you know you have like a word count that you have to get, so I just use all the words. And I was sharing with Maurice, and Maurice was like, baby, you don't need all that. Cut it down, cut it down. So what I, he just said it again, cut it down, a reminder. Got it. I feel like he's, uh, he's like my momager, my, my dadager today, like just, you know, on me giving me Chris Jenner vibes just a little bit, babe, just a little bit. Um, I didn't min- mention this earlier. There's a lot that I can say about Moses. But what y'all need to know is that Moses was on the run. And that's what led him to Midian. You see, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was starting to feel threatened by how numerous the Israelites were. So he said, all the baby boys, they got to go. He told the midwives this. Midwives didn't listen. Moses ends up being spared, put on the side of the river, and Pharaoh's daughter picks him up, saves him, raises him to be her son. So Moses, this Hebrew boy, is raised as an Egyptian. And um, some of y'all may know this phrase that says, oops, nope, <laughs> that's later. Sorry, Jesus, I'm gonna fix it. We got it together. Okay, so see, me and Jesus, we talking right here in a moment. That's what y'all gonna get, realness, okay? So what happens is Moses steps out of the palace and he sees one of his people, his brethren, a fellow Hebrew being beat by an Egyptian. And he doesn't like that. And the feeling of that, like, hey, that's not right, is true. But Moses gets a little impulsive and he kills the Egyptian. And the thing about Moses, he was sneaky. He looked to the left, he looked to the right, nobody there, nobody's seen him, nobody's gonna know. And then the next day he comes out and it's two Hebrews and they're arguing, they're going at it. And Moses, trying to be a peacemaker, steps in and says, hey, y'all, we ain't, we ain't got to do this. And those Hebrews say, what are you going to do? Who, who made you a ruler and judge over us? You going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses is like, dang, I've been found out. So now Moses is on the run. People know about his mistakes. And y'all, it's one thing when you do something and you just have to work it out between you and God because you messed up. But it's another thing when other people know your mistakes. It makes it harder to move forward and forgive yourself. So we see that, you know, this past mistake of him killing an Egyptian is something that he's running from. He's running from a regretful past and that brings shame and guilt. And one of the books that I've been reading is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And I love that she says this. If we want to engage with the world from a place of worthiness, we have to talk about the things that get in the way, especially shame, fear, and vulnerability. Y'all know we can't hide anything from God, right? God knows our thoughts. God knows what we did. He knows what we're going to do. So not only is he wrestling that, he knows that God knows what he did. He violated one of the Ten Commandments. But even with that in that story, can I also say that holding on to moments of rejection fuels inadequacy? Moses tried to do the right thing. He tried to step in, be a peacemaker, and he ended up getting rejected by the people that he was trying to help. And how many of us can relate to that? being rejected by someone that we're trying to help, that we're trying to come alongside. And when that ends up doing is fueling that feeling of inadequacy. See, I should have never done that. See, I'm not good enough to step into this. See, I'm not worthy enough to be this kind of friend or have this kind of relationship. So not only 
does holding on to our past fuel inadequacy? Not only does rejection do that, those rejection wounds, but man, the feeling of inadequacy will cause you to shrink. And we see a complete pivot in Moses. When God calls him and says his name twice, he steps up, he says, here I am. And then after God tells Moses his plan for him and what he's gonna do, I can literally just envision Moses stepping back like, who am I? Who am I to do that, God? We see this shift, and if we're not careful, we can allow the feelings of inadequacy to cause us, cause us to shrink and distance ourselves from the thing that God is inviting us to. And last week, Bill talked about loneliness, and I don't know why this keeps coming up, um, probably because some of y'all need to hear it again. But I feel like the thing that God is inviting a lot of us into is community. And Marie said it earlier, like, there's more to this faith walk than just coming in here on a Sunday. You need relationship. And for some of us, it's to get back in community again because you've had a negative experience, because you've had church wounds, because you've been rejected, you felt that you have this narrative of inadequacy, of not being good enough, and that people aren't gonna like you, that you're too much, and ooh, if they knew what I did, if they knew my struggle, they ain't gonna like it. And whatever it is you're telling yourself, I feel you got a little bit of Moses in you too. You're on the run, maybe not from a regretful past, but you're on the run from community. And God is saying, step in. God is saying, try again. So not only does holding on to our past mistakes fuel inadequacy, we talked about rejection with inadequacy. We talked about how inadequacy can make us shrink and like, ooh, step back. But the last thing that I wanna highlight is that inadequacy gives us a distorted view of self. And y'all, this is something that I have never saw in this passage, so it's new to me. I might get a little fired up. Here we go. Moses is one of those people that you hear talked about a lot in Scripture, even in New Testament. He was the one who spoke face-to-face -face with God. What? You don't hear that. That's crazy. And in the book of Acts, long before, um, long after, excuse me, Moses has died, Luke says this, Acts 7:22. Moses was taught all the wisdom of Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. Hold up now, because if you continue reading this account between Moses and God, you'll see that Moses gives several other excuses to God. And one of them, um, the fourth one, he says this, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, I'm not now even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Now, Moses, is that true? I literally wish he was here because I would give him the side eye, like, really, Moses? But that inadequacy, it caused him to see himself differently. It caused him to have what I like to call spiritual amnesia, where he forgets, he forgot how God has showed up and spoken through him, forgotten his training, forgot how God has equipped him for real for such a time as this. And when it comes to our identity in Christ, one of the passages that is often spoken of is found in Psalms 139. And David says this, I know I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And y'all, many of us know this. We've heard it. We've maybe wrote it down somewhere. We maybe posted it somewhere. But the reality is this. Do we believe it? Do we believe what God says about us? Do we really believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? And if we do, and if you're saying, yes, I want to challenge you, what are the thoughts that you're thinking about yourself? How are you letting inadequacy shape your identity? Do we believe that we are God's masterpiece created for good works, according to Ephesians 2.10? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11? Do you believe that you are loved unconditionally, according to Romans 5, 8, Jeremiah 31, 3, Ephesians 3, 18 through 19, and so many other places in the Bible that I ain't got enough time to mention? Where I want to land is now God's response to Moses. This is how he answers the question, who am I, in verse 12. God answered, I will be with you. This is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. God didn't respond to Moses with empowering affirmations, which deep down is probably what Moses wanted. I know in my moments of inadequacy, that's what I want God to tell me. I want God to build me up in that way. But Moses didn't need more self-confidence. What he needed was more God-confidence, or as I told my sister Jackie, confidence. Confidence in God, confidence in what God says. And oftentimes, we will see in Scripture that when God calls people, their inadequacy responds, just like it did for Moses. Jeremiah 1.8, when God told Jeremiah that he knew him before he was in his mother's womb, and he set him apart to be a prophet, Jeremiah's inadequacy responded. He said, I'm too young, I'm a youth. And you know what God said? I will be with you. Joshua 1 9, one of my favorite passages, be strong and courageous. Joshua never explicitly says anything that lets us know that he's dealing with inadequacy. But remember, man looks at the adult appearance, but God looks at the heart. God knows our thoughts. And God is continuing to repeat and reinforce to Joshua be strong and courageous, for I will be with you. I will be with you. That's his encouragement to Joshua. And when Gideon was told in Judges 6 to rescue the Midianites, his inadequacy responded. He said, Lord, I'm from the weakest tribe. I can't do this. You know what God said to him? I will be with you. Inadequacy will cause us to question our enoughness. Yet God wants us to trust that his word and his presence is all we need. I love the Passion Translation of 2 Corinthians 3, 5. It says this, Yet we don't see ourselves as capable enough to do anything in our own strength, for our true competence flows from God's empowering presence. And I want to repeat that again. Our sufficiency, our competence flows from God's empowering presence. Oftentimes, when I speak in a space where people don't really know me, I often say, like, Moses is one of my favorite people in the Bible, and I relate to him so much that you could just call me Mosesha. Get it? Moses and Aisha. But rarely do I get the time to unpack what I mean by that. 
And it was 10 years ago when I was in a young adult Bible study. I had just gotten baptized two weeks prior to that, and I had shared, which I was nervous doing, but I did. And after the service was over, the pastor came up to me. She was like, Aisha, I, I want you to give the message next week. And I said, yeah, okay. And then um, as soon as I got in my car, I started to have this panic moment of like, what the heck did I just do? And now in hindsight, I see that that was my, my peeper pleaser uh, showing up saying yes. Because Lord knows I was scared. So this whole time, I have like an hour commute from the church to my apartment in L.A., and I'm having this, it's not even a conversation, it's a monologue at this point. Like, God, I can't do this. I've never even read the Bible in its entirety and you want me to speak from it? This don't make no sense. I stutter when I'm nervous. I sweat when I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. That's a heavy responsibility. I was dating Maurice at the time. I said, use him, Lord, not me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I just regretted it on the drive home. And I'm like, I don't even have the pastor's number. And I know I shouldn't be lying, but I was kind of debating, like, should I just lie and say, uh, oh, I have a big exam I have to study for, you know, can't do it. And by the time I got home, I did what I normally do when I feel like it's too much and inadequacy is starting to just weigh on me. I started to cry and I started to panic. But I ended up bringing my inadequacy to God. And I started to tell him, like, look, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Like, it's just, it just don't make no sense, Lord. And you know what his response to me was? You sound a lot like Moses. Again, I haven't read the Bible like that, so I was like, I don't know nothing about Moses. So I went to Exodus 3, and I read it, and I said, dang, that's me. I've never felt more seen. And I told God, if you give me the words to say, I'll do it. And that has been my posture for every single message that I have given since then. If you give me the words, I'll do it. God, I feel so inadequate. I don't know a whole lot of nothing, but here I am. Speak truth to me and speak truth through me. I can't do this without you and I don't want to. When you feel like you're inadequate and that narrative starts to just circulate in your mind, I want you to remember that God is with you. I wanna go back to that word, confidence, godly confidence. It's choosing to believe that God is with you and what his word says about you. Godly confidence believes that wherever I'm lacking because God is with me, he will fill in the gaps. And family, that's what I wanna let you all know today. Trust God to fill the gaps that, that inadequacy has created. I don't know how inadequacy has been responding in your life. I don't know the thoughts that you have to combat. Or if you're honest, you're like, Aisha, there's no combating. I just sit with them. I've been sitting with them for a long time. That's real and I see you. There's a song that the worship team is gonna sing. And it speaks to this in such a beautiful and honest way. And I want you to listen to these words. Let them wash over you and consider bringing your inadequacy before God. And my prayer as we step into this moment is simple, it's this. Speak, Lord, 
for we are listening. Amen.